up, Daniel Miller? What's up, man? Uh, for whatever reason, I am not hearing you. Uh, I bet you're hearing me now. Yes, you are. I guess I am. I'm confused, man. My, my producer is uh, distracting me. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, I was, I was listening to you play with, uh, with the new dog on the radio, <laughs> and I got to thinking the only thing that might be a little more riveting than that would be uh, doing a segment with a mime. I mean, that, that would be pretty cool for radio, right? Yeah, man, but all the ladies <laughs> in the audience were going, oh, all the ladies in the audience were thinking about puppy breath. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you because I don't know. I'm not a lady. Possibly. Do you think we could po do you think, oh, I don't know if you want to go in on this. Do you think I could possibly get a VC to produce a cologne called puppy breath? That would be nasty. Although it wouldn't be probably any nastier than the idea that I had for uh, man scented candles, you know, smell like barbecue, <laughs> You know, things like that. That that would be awesome. Wait, I think I saw somebody on Shark Tank try to push that off all yeah, one you time. Go down, you go down to the mall and pick them up at Bed Bath & Bubba, and it'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what's going on, man? What's going on in the world of T&M today? Wow. Uh, processing these candidate endorsement requests that have been coming in. Uh, so they have been responding. There have been yeah. those that have responded. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had a bunch, and I don't know the count, but it's you know it's several dozen so far. You know, we only let it out into the wild at the tail end of last week, so we've had right. a few dozen come in. Uh, we've had about two dozen candidates that refused, basically basically shot us the middle finger. Uh, and one of those, strangely enough, was Connie Burton. I thought that was kind of interesting. So really. Yeah, no, I've, I've had my suspicions about Connie Burton for a while. As soon as she was, she was elected, what I thought Connie was as far as when it comes to interaction mm -hmm. with the Liberty Movement, it was almost like cold shoulder. Now, there are those that would defend her to the hilt based on her voting record, but I've always kind of, I, we need to watch her. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we had um, some of our members had some interaction with her. Uh, she she came down to the Houston area and spoke at one of the Tea Party events and did a town hall, which I thought was odd. Uh, but she did a town hall uh, down in the Houston area. And one of our members stood up and asked her if she would support Texans voting on independence. Mm -hmm. and, and she stood up for, for several minutes and, and shot down why she thought it was a, a horrible idea and how she didn't support it and didn't support the people voting on it and on and on and on. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty, I mean, I, I think we have got a pretty good idea where Connie Burton sits in our, uh, in our wheelhouse, <clears throat> but I'll tell you, Claver, here's, here's the thing. Uh, that I think when we, when we begin to make these surveys public, what's going to shock people, uh, we've had right about an equal amount to come in from Republicans and Democrats. And, and I will tell you that the, the Democrats that have responded to the survey down at the local level, county, you know, the county level in that, that area, JPs, right. Right. county judges, county commissioners, uh, have had stronger survey responses on the issue of Texas independence than uh, a lot of the Republicans, which I thought was was kind of wild. But I, but on the local level, though, right? On the local level, yeah. Now these, now, these local counties, JPs and county commissioners and the like, because, see, what some folks don't understand is that there are pockets, <clears throat> excuse me, 
even in rural areas where Democrats still get elected, where you would think it would be like red areas, but there are certain pockets, even in deep East Texas, where a Democrat can still get elected. Is this where you're finding these uh, pro-Texas nationalist JPs, county commissioners, city councilmen, things like that? Yeah, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, we had, uh, we had someone in Harris County uh, that was a, that is a Democrat that submitted uh, a survey and probably gave some of the strongest responses and, and some of the most articulate, what there, there are several questions that we ask beyond the, the kind of, you know, strongly disagree to strongly agree range that we have on the principles. And, uh, we ask all the candidates to articulate in their own words, what they think article one, section one of the Texas constitution means article one, section two and the 10th amendment. We ask them why they're running, you know, what their motivations are. Right. And we ask them why they, why they think members of the Texas nationalist movement should support their candidacy. And, you know, it gives them beyond sort of the standard tick the boxes, like a lot of organizations do when they go through this endorsement process, it gives them an opportunity to, to really kind of do a deep dive into what it is about. Texas. Well, they can't fake it. They can't fake it. Right. Well, because uh, especially given what we're getting ready to do with that information. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I do know. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going so, to let it out, but I do know yeah. what's going to happen. It's going to be freaky. But, well, uh, let, let's just, let's just say, um, we are we are very thankful for for the use of of a supercomputer. I mean, it's it's pretty nice. But but you know, I think I think what's interesting is in those responses um, that you can you can sort of tell if there's a disconnect. You know, when when they when they run through because we run through all of the the Texas nationalist principles plus the three major questions. Do you believe that Texas would be better off as an independent nation? Do you believe that Texas should become an independent nation? And do you support the right of Texans to vote on independence? So, you know, we ask uh, uh, an agree, disagree across all the principles. And, and then we ask the three, the three biggies. And, uh, and, you know, you can tell if there's some, some disconnects, man. And, and uh, I will say that the, the surveys, who they've come from and the responses that we're getting are, uh, are all over the place. It, it's been, it's, Honestly, it's been fairly surprising. Well, I, but see, that's the thing, though, because it's, it's a question that they're not prepared, many of them, to answer. They, they've, they've never had the question asked to them before, perhaps. So when you have the standard questions of, well, what do you think about sanctuary cities? Well, what do you think about the DREAM Act? Well, what do you think about toll roads? Well, what do you think about parental choice in education? You know, there's the standard talking point on that. Then all of a sudden you throw a question at them. What do you think about Texans having the right of self-determination and voting on independence? They're either going to give you, you know, um, a bunch of manure, or are they going to let you know exactly where their hearts are? And I'm thinking the supercomputer is going to help you make that, that help you with that identifier. Are they giving you a bucket of manure or are they truly speaking from the sincerity of their, of their souls? Right, Daniel? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not a lie detector. I mean, that's, that's not the thing, but what, what it will do is the, the deep uh, data analytics that we're running uh, or it's going to, going to give us a really good idea uh, about who they are 
as an individual, what their motivations are. And then when you compare that with the, the survey responses, we're, we're going to know if they're being sincere in their survey responses or not. I mean, it's, it's going to give us a, a fairly clear idea of, of, of uh, if they are congruent with what they have told us. Okay, now you talked about Democrats on the local level, but you, you obviously made a distinction when it comes to pink dome Democrat candidates. I'm thinking you're, you're soliciting responses from them as well. Are you getting responses from them? Yeah, and I don't know that specifically. I mean, I've just perused what, what we've gotten in, and, and it was just a cursory examination. Uh, and it's still early. I mean, we've still got another you know couple weeks that we're going to run the survey. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did not – none of the none of the Democrats in the ledge <clears throat> jumped out. I mean, I, I, so I don't, I don't foresee that. But, look, we sent, we sent the email out to every candidate who had, who had filed. I mean, literally everyone that we had email addresses on, plus we did some additional research to, to flesh that out. So, uh, you know, everyone got it. I mean, we did not discriminate based on party, uh, who got it, who didn't. Whoever was on file at the Secretary of State when the filing window closed got the invitation. And is it wise to ask at this point what the percentage that are, that if you're looking at it so far, I mean, as, if you're looking at a percentage, if you were to guess, if you don't have anything precise, what percentage is saying, I'm at least in favor of the people voting? Not necessarily that they're in favor of independence, that they're willing to carry a bill for a referendum vote. But are, are you seeing a, a, a good representation of those who are fired or at least that, that at least have some got their head wrapped around the idea of the Texas people having the right of self-determination? Yeah, I would say I would say that those in favor of, of a vote would be probably about a two to one margin as it stands right now uh, of wow. those that are not in favor of a vote <clears throat> that also includes those that are neutral on the issue. So, uh, you know, we've had some that are vehemently, you know, they're, they strongly disagree that Texans should have a vote. Uh, but I, I would say probably about half of that 30 some odd percent are neutral on the issue and the rest of them either disagree or strongly disagree. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting in uh, responses from elected officials all up and down the ballot all over Texas that not only want to see, not only support a vote on Texas independence, but also believe that Texas would be better off as an independent nation and should become one. You know, the ones that always crack me up and, and you know, because we survey, these are, you know, the, the two major questions about whether you believe that Texas would be better off and do you believe that Texas should become an independent nation, we survey those all the time, okay? That's, those are not new questions, and it's not specifically to the candidates. But the ones that always crack me up are the ones that answer, yes, Texas will be better off as an independent nation, but no, Texas should not become an independent nation. It's like... <laughs> Why, why would you act against your own self? Wait a minute. Why would you act against my self-interest? You know, I mean, if it's, if it's, if independence would be good for Texas, right, we would be better off Then why in the world would you not want it to be that way? I mean, what, what sort of cynic do you have to be, you know, or, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but you know, we, we see that more often than not. It's, it's an odd, it's an odd combo, but it, it does pop up. 
Well, just out of curiosity, I'm just thinking that this entire process going into hashtag ballot box bloodbath, mm. this is taking up a lot of your time. I mean, and you, you, you know, uh, the thing about TNM is it has a lot of oars in the water. I mean, it is multifaceted. Don't know how you keep all of your fingers on the strings and keep this thing moving and, you know, keep the chaos from uh, ensuing. But I've got to believe that going into the, the first Tuesday in March, this is dominating your time. Yeah, it's, it's not as bad as you think. You know, we uh, – if you go, go back to one of the segments several months ago where we talk about leveraging the technology. You know, this is, this is what it is. If you put these processes in place, uh, then, then you let the technology do the heavy lifting. So, uh, that's, I mean, at this point, the process is fair to partly automated. Um, you know, we've got a couple things that we need to do to make the, the surveys public. Uh, but beyond that, it's, it was, uh, the process was built and now it's going and, Look, that's the way that, that, that it really needs to be. Uh, you know, right. we've had situations with other political organizations that are out there, especially related to the endorsement process, where these endorsements are, are really nothing more than a good old boy club. I mean, you know, you got, you got the executive board or whatever putting their, their thumb on the scales. And, and what we wanted to do in if, club, if, if, if it's not a club member that's actually running and on the ballot, right? And then you got all these linchpins between the clubs. All the club members belong to all the other clubs, and it yeah. just becomes chain reaction. Well, and that's the thing. You know, what we wanted to do from the outset was establish uh, an objective process where, you know, the, the criteria was, was pretty much set. But in the end, we wanted it – we wanted the process to emulate – uh, that that uh, that idea in Article One, Section Two, you know, where we put it the the final vote in the hands of of our people. So that's how it's going to go down. You know, look, um, we're going to have some some candidates. I, there have been some surprising. I, I will say this, and, and I'm not going to get into details, but there have been some surprising people that have come to us asking for endorsement, and there have been some surprising people that have not taking the time to do it yet. And, and it may be just a matter of time, you know, I'm, well, I'm, I mean, Connie, I'm Burton, just, Connie Burton, what just literally running away from interacting with you or consideration for endorsement that's, or basically, I mean, Hey, that's fine. You know, look, I, I don't I have mean, any problem. Hold on, hold on, with that. I want to get clarification on this story because I think this is a story and I don't want to mm -hmm. bury this lead. Okay. So she goes to a meeting in the Houston area, a TNM member and supporter, stands up and asks her the question, and she says no. She's not in favor. Right. Bottom line. Now, are you also saying that when you submitted the solicitation uh, to, for her to be vetted and, and potentially endorsed by TNM, that that response was negative as, as well? That's, that's the thumbing of the nose that you're talking about, or are you talking about when she was asked the question at the meeting? I need clarification. No, no, no. no. Th these are two separate, two separate things. Okay. Right. The, the town hall's one thing. Right. And in this endorsement process, the invitation email went out and, and there was a place for them to refuse. Right. So they, so literally she or someone in her campaign had to read through that and click a button to say, you know, Hey, I have zero interest in in getting the endorsement of the TNM, which is hey, look, that's fine. That's that's fine. 
but we're going to publish that list. I mean, so her name's going on the list, and and how our uh, how our supporters react to that is going to be entirely up to them. Um, and, and that goes for for any of them, any of them that have refused. Uh, you know, they're. I mean, it's is like she's the only is she the only real notable Republican to do so so far. Uh, so far, uh, I think so. Uh, the last time I checked, which was yesterday. Um, but you know, I, I, I See, don't it's wanna... one thing. It's one thing, Daniel, if they, if, if they, if they accept the invitation and they, you know, they engage themselves in the process, they enter themselves in the process of potentially being yeah. endorsed and they answer the questions and they answer the questions, let's say wrongly, the wrong way. That's one thing. But when they just say buzz off, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't disagree with that at all. You know, so, you know, it's like I said, it, it's neither here nor there. You know, ultimately that information is going to be put in the hands of, of the membership uh, and, and the supporters in her district. And if they, if they are okay with that, that's fine. And, and if not, then that'll, I don't know that'll what's be going on in Tarrant County. I don't know what's going on in Tarrant County. Tarrant County is supposed to be, you know, just the bulwark of conservatism. And I don't know what's, you know, the, the reddest of the red, you know, Roma, Roma tomato red, Tarrant County. I don't know what's going on. Daniel, I want to, I want to shift the subject when we come back from break. I want to talk about some issues that are happening on the national level and uh, get some thoughts about that. Talk about the institutions of the U.S. Because oh, we don't not, need That's them. not national. That's federal, Claver. I'm not going to get to that discussion today because I have my own lexicon, but we'll talk about it. Daniel Miller, Texas Nationalist Movement. He's the president and founder. Been doing this thing now for a quarter of a century, fighting for Texas to fulfill the prophecy of our first president, Sam Houston. Be right back with Daniel Miller and then Ruth York, both are Raging Elephants Radio contributors. Which is laying down on the job again. Take us wherever you go. Raging Elephants Radio. Streaming on your computer, tablet, and smartphone. With your Texas network. 24-7, 365. We talk about the great, greatest piece of real estate God ever created. Now, sure, there are those out there that believe, you know, it's Israel. Israel ain't got no oil. Not the last time I checked. Is any shale in Israel? I'm, I'm not sure. And Butch is not only laying down on the job, he is now snoring on the job. Here's Daniel Miller. So, Daniel, remember, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, one of your, in one of your segments. And man, you really reached back to the past, to uh, 2012, Stampede, Texas, 2012, and and you planted the seed of, um, hey man, you gotta dust that thing off, you know. So I had a speaking engagement in Jacksonville last week, and uh, on two, on last Tuesday, and that's why we didn't we weren't together last week. And I did I I, I said okay, focus group. And I didn't read the whole thing because it was like several pages, obviously, but I read the 10, the 10 original objectives. Mm -hmm. And the only one that they really actually did anything on was sanctuary cities, right, of the 10. So I asked those in the audience. I said, hey, look, what do you think? And I, and I gave you credit for it. I said, Daniel Miller, 
and Tammy was in the audience. Remember, she signed it. Ray Myers was in the audience. At the time, he was working on Stuart Spitzer's campaign, who signed it. Um, because at, uh, in, the, in 2012, Tammy was running against Robert Nichols for state senate. Should have won that race. And, uh, you know, they said to a person, yeah, if you amend it, let's say we put something else um, instead of sanctuary cities. Uh, they were like, send it to the candidates and see which ones, which ones would, uh, would sign it. Travis Clardy's filed opposition was there. And he said, look, when you get an amended, send it to me. I'll sign it. I'll, I will, I'll be the first to put my name on it. And there was an independent candidate that was there. Uh, Tony Sevilla, looking at his card right now on my uh, console here. And he said, send it to me. I want to sign it. So you started something, man, because, you, know, I, I, you know, I said, I'm, okay, you know, Daniel, you know, it really struck something inside. You, you said, dust it off. And I'm like, well, let's check it out. So when I began my speech, that's how I began my speech. You know, I wanted to talk about media, and I did. And whenever I'm getting these bookings now, I want to go and I want to go in front of these Tea Party organizations. They know the demographic challenges. They know the foundation of my work with RagingElephants.org and working with candidates and getting Liberty candidates elected and trying to get more, more voters of color to vote their, their values, their Judeo-Christian values, and that means they got to vote Republican. They know, they know all of that. And so I began thinking, thinking about educating them on, uh, on media in Texas and the challenges we have about information. But I began the program with a covenant with Texas. And it was a hit. And, it, and, it, and it's all thanks to you, Daniel Miller. Oh, uh, imagine that. Conservative people getting excited about conservative things. What a shock. <laughs> But I'm thinking about doing it, man. I'm thinking about sending it out there to the to the candidates, the re Republican candidates, and see which ones would would affix their name to it. That would be interesting. Do it. I mean, look, it's it's the same thing that we're doing with our endorsement process. I mean, like literally, the agree disagree section is all of the Texas Nationalist principles. I mean, it's all the stuff on our website. You go to TexasNationalist.com/slash/about. It literally tells you what our mission is, what the parts of it are, what our principles are. And, and that's what we want is we want to understand whether or not a candidate has a value alignment with our principles. And, and look, that's a start. Uh, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are a lot of those people that are running for office that our principles, the, the covenant with Texas, whatever it is, is just pillow talk, right? They get up there, they get enamored with whoever inherited Tuffy Hamilton's margarita machine and, and the, <laughs> you know, the, the frat house environment. And, 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 and his, and his, uh, his purple dinosaur, Barney dinosaur suit too. That had to be passed along as well when he was defeated. Somebody's got that purple dinosaur suit. I, I'm guessing it's probably Blake Fahrenheit. That's my, <laughs> that's my guess. Um, but probably, probably for different reasons. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. Every time that guy shows up on TV, all I can think of is Mike Hamilton. I mean, I, it, he just they they are so similar. It's, it, it's it could, it could be some sort of gene splicing that makes them look so you know look look so close. 
Yeah, like it's it's odd, but yeah, I mean, look, this is the thing. I mean, I, I think I think send it out. Look, we talked about this. There is a there the, there is a crack in the door, and the foot is in the crack of the door in the ledge right now, and we've got to do whatever we can to. You know, once you've established the beachhead, you gotta you gotta hold it and you gotta gain ground. It's like, you know, this thing with the 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 Liberty Caucus. I mean, this is like this is like Normandy, man. I mean, the beaches have been stormed, the beachhead has been established. Now it's time to move inland, and you know, next stop is Berlin, man. Let's go. You know, so, that's that's what it's about. Okay, so for quite a quite a while now. Oh, by the way, I call Washington Double City the national government because federalism doesn't exist anymore in its country. It is a centralized, controlled nation. Oh, no. I'll get down to the economy. That's why I call it no. the national government because federalism doesn't even exist anymore. Okay, yeah. that's why I call it the national government. I know no, you, have, you have a different, you know, reference point, you know. But well, to me, I don't, I don't to me, refer to it as – look, I don't refer to it as national because I'm not a blouse-wearing poodle walker, Okay. I'm not going I don't I don't surrender, you know, and the the fact is is that referring to them as a nation acquiesces to their viewpoint that we exist as a single one monolithic people. And and it's yeah, but, a, but, it's a but myth. see that's that's why I call it national because that is I mean that's the reality for those out there who are uninformed or uneducated or have been miseducated or indoctrinated. Yeah. It, to me, it is a reality. I mean, there, when you talk about American nationalism, populism, mm. which occupies the White House and is storming the, you know, the Republican Party on a national scale, okay, that's, that's, uh, that's anti-federalism and not in the classic sense of the, uh, you know, the Patrick Henry sense of the word. No, that's, that's the antithesis of the founding of the nation. I mean, we're literally upside down. We, we, it was supposed to be the, the federal government was supposed to be, have the least amount of influence in our lives. And it absolutely has the most, mm-hmm. without doubt. It's upside down. The well, look, that- they, they've peddled the lie of the, the um, they have peddled the lie and the myth of the American nation so long. It, they, they're, ripping play, they're ripping right out of the Joe Goebbels playbook. Uh, that if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, it becomes accepted as the truth. And and the fact of the matter is, is that's not the case. Look, we, we, we went back and we looked at, if you'll recall, many, many moons ago, we looked at that Texas Tribune poll where they were polling Texans on identification. And when you, when you find, you know, strong 30 to 40 percent uh, in a population of people that identify themselves by their home state as opposed to that larger federation, you got a situation. I mean, let's be honest that Euroscepticism has made stronger gains in countries with far less identification where people view themselves more as European than they view from their home country. So look, this is, this is the thing, man. I mean, we can split hairs and talk semantics all day long, but the reality of it is, is that Texas is a, is a nation period. That is the that is the fact, and you you can be a Texan or you can be an American, but those two things are mutually exclusive. You know that's that's the thing about it. People could say, "Well, I'm I'm one or the other." Well, that's true, but 
you know, when you, when you stand up at your tea party meeting and then you, you say the pledge of allegiance to the U S flag, and then you stand up and you say the, the Texas pledge, and you don't realize that the words of those two things are mutually exclusive, there's a challenge there. And, and my challenge, my challenge to everyone is to think deeper about these words that they say, man, my, my attorney says it all the time. Words matter. And, and it, it is incumbent upon the people on our side, really people all throughout Texas to really begin to, to think deeper about the meaning of these words. Look, I put a chapter in the book and, and you know, it's literally three words that change the world, man. If people truly understood the meanings of the word nation, country, and state, things would be vastly different. When you understand what those words mean, it transforms your attitude towards these institutions like the federal government. <clears throat> I don't know if the people are ready for, um, we shouldn't be playing the national anthem when we're at a football game. We shouldn't be playing the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> at a football game that's being held in Texas. It should be the Texas state anthem or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it is what it ought to be. But I've lost, I've lost, how many, how many people do you think have, have lost faith in the institutions of the United States? I mean, law enforcement, the judiciary. Well, um, I mean, I, let's, let's be honest. Of, when the United States Congress polls somewhere between Harvey Weinstein and, and Gaddafi's torturer, uh, that ought to tell you, you know, the approval rating. Look, the vast majority of people, whether Texas or throughout the rest of the United States, have zero faith in the United States Congress or the other institutions. I mean, but there's no justice in America. <clears throat> that's, that's the problem. If, if Hillary Clinton isn't indicted at this moment there's no justice if if evidence is coming out of what we've always suspected all along that the scales were tilted even in such revered places as the fbi and now the department of injustice and we've seen it now with our own two eyes and america has seen it with their own two eyes i'm just trying to trying to come to grips with any citizen of the united states that would reject that that would not reject that i don't understand that you know, that, 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 that there are those that are, are approving, that are approving of the type of behavior that's going on in Washington Devil City right now. And I don't understand how those people think. Well, why, a, they, why they would want to be, I don't want to be attached to those who think in that manner. You know, stupid states and I don't want to be attached to that, Daniel. Well, look, and, there, there, is a, there exists throughout uh, Texas and, and the other states, an unhealthy attachment to partisan politics, uh, to where it's, it's party above principle. And, and we've seen that time and time again. Uh, we've seen, we've seen here in Texas, Republicans make excuses for the poor behavior of Republicans for the unconstitutional acts of Republican elected officials. It happens. I mean, we don't even need to go back and talk about Joe Strauss, uh, but, but it happens and, and we've seen it. Uh, they, it, it is, it is an unhealthy attachment to partisan politics, but uh, some of it is this, this notion that yes, it's broken beyond repair, but I just can't bear to throw it away. You know, I can't bear to make the hard call. You know, it's like a, it's like, uh, th those last few months of a marriage that's, that's failed. Uh, it, it is, you know, where the writing is on the wall and it's just, it's waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
but you know, Texans have have always been have been loyal, sometimes almost to a fault. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it that way because I don't think it's a fault. But beyond that, at the end of the day, Texans are very pragmatic, and I think that one of the the largest motivators for people showing their support for the TNM and for Texas independence boils down to pragmatism. I mean, Texans, average ordinary Texans are looking at this and saying, look, the federal government is broken. And, and look, I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I appreciate what the United States stands for, but it's not that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm broke, <laughs> you know, I'm having a hard time getting a job. You know, the federal regulations are, are, you know, Killing me. Yeah, but see, I mean, Jimmy, I, I, I think that, I think that for us to use the economic argument is extremely persuasive. To 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 remove the layer of the federal government of Washington double city, I mean, we on a per capita basis, we'd be richer than Qatar, right? Um, but the, you know, the economic argument is so compelling but i believe now we can really get to the point where the argument is can you trust the institutions well that, that question's been answered i mean the, the people answer that all the time if, you have a you have a you have a judiciary that yeah. is completely unaccountable all right at least here in texas although we vote so un you know in such an uninformed way at least here we vote for our judiciary we don't have that and the federal judges, the gods in black robes, zero accountability, lifetime appointments, and ideological more than you and I, you or I, and 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 perform that way from the bench, okay, as if they're all wise, as if they're omniscient, and defy the will of the people consistently. I do not trust, you know, that that branch of the government at all. I mean, all the way up to the Supreme Court, I do not trust them. Certainly don't trust the legislative branch. Certainly don't trust the executive branch. You know, that's completely and totally out of control. The institutions themselves are a danger to our very existence. I wonder if people are seeing that. Daniel. Well, it's why you have to take it. It's why you have to take the, the federal system as a whole. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons that we pose the question the way that we do to people, which is, who is better? Who do you feel is, is better to govern your life? You or two and a half million unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C.? Um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is there's a, an enormous amount of focus on the grievances in the executive branch and in the United States Congress. Uh, but let's be honest, the judiciary, the federal judiciary has been, uh, frankly, the most tyrannical because ultimately they are the ones that are in charge. Um, yeah, and, and, other, I want, and I want to... The other two yeah. can't operate without right. their seal of approval. I, I want people to remember, in the eight years of his presidency, Obama appointed over 300 federal judges. That was a lifetime appointment. And most of them were young. You look at this one that down here with the voter ID uh, defiance, voter ID law defiance, uh, this uh, young young judge uh, down in Corpus Christi area, Nelda Gonzalez Ramos, I believe her name is. That's an Obama appointee. It's going to be there forever. Um, the rulings on same-sex marriage or same-sex divorce. 
uh, are they will be there uh, forever or until we get our independence. Until we get our independence. (laughs) Nothing you can do about it. I mean, when's the last time a federal judge, district or appellate, has been impeached or called before, you know, Congress to say, why are you making these rulings and why are all these rulings? I mean, the the, the judiciary, you know, if there's no reform to that, there is no saving it. Um, it's absolutely, totally tyrannical. We have no recourse. The only way out is out, Daniel. That's the bottom line. Look, it's, you know, it, it's why people continue to affirmatively answer that question, uh, that, that they continue to uh, come out and, and say that they believe that they are best equipped to govern themselves. Uh, every day, uh, the headlines do it. Any attempt at, at reform breaks. Uh, when you have the mainstream media, when you have you know what has become termed as the deep state, but really it's just the existing federal bureaucracy from the surface all the way down to the root. Uh, you know when you have that sort of resistance, it's resistant to change, man. I, I mean, I, I went back and uh, strangely enough, I've, I've been digging through podcast archives. Uh, you know, back when I mean, way back, back in you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And I came across where I was, you know, explaining, I was answering someone's question about, uh, they wanted to, uh, they asked about, you know, whether it would be realistic. It was independence more realistic than fixing the system. And my, my response to them was that if you think that the federal system can be fixed, you are at complete odds with the people that are part of the federal system because the federal system exists to preserve itself and expand its power. That's what it does. It, it literally is a cancer. It's like a virus. It replicates. It grows. Uh, you know, that's, that's what it's for. It's, it's inherently designed to expand its power. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, w- once the river got out of its banks, man, it, 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 there, there are no barriers that can stop it. So best thing you can do is get out of the water. And that's what Texas needs to do. You know, we, we must reassert our right of self-govern, uh, of self-government and become an independent nation. That is the answer. And it is the only answer. Daniel Miller is the president of the Texas nationalist movement. He's been at this for a quarter of a century. Texas Nationalist Movement is the preeminent organization advocating for Texas to fulfill the prophecy of Sam Houston that here soon, we're gonna be an independent republic again. The website is thetnm.org. Membership, $18.36 a month. And uh, they're doing all the right things to get that out there. Thanks a lot, Daniel. We'll talk again next week, man. Hey, thanks, Claver. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to you.